Welcome to episode 191 of the All the Books Show, recorded at the David A. Howe Public Library, where we talk book news, author news, and literary news. I'm Eric Mickles. I'm Nick Gunning. Thanks. This week, we're going to be talking about Poetry Month. April is Poetry Month every year. And so last time when Malik, Malik who's on staff here, joined us to talk Kwame Alexander, we learned what a poetry aficionado he yeah. is. So we've invited Malik back. We each read two books together, all three of us, wow. uh, Poet X, Love Poems for Married People, we're going to be talking about those a little later when Malik joins us here for the third seat. Yeah. That's coming up in a bit. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for everybody who tuned in uh, special last week for our interview with Michael Nesmith. Uh, went really well, and we got a lot of good feedback from that. So thanks very much. Thank uh, you. It was so much fun. It was so, I don't know. It was just, it was such a nice... Uh, I was in the room. I People know. People might listen to the interview and think I had nothing. I, no, I no, was no. in the room. He was here, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And every time things were going well, we were kind of like, yeah, that was good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Silently communicating across the I was the looking at all the big words that were over my head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I got back to my desk and, and on my laptop, the word salient was up there with the definition. Yeah. So I didn't know. I think we both learned I, something I didn't know if, he was, if Mike Nesmith was being very nice to you yeah. or if he was like insulting really, you. He really tossed me. He, no, he, he was nope. very nice. Very nice. Very polite. We had a very good discussion he on his book. You remembered your name. He did. The Long Sandy Hair of Neptune Zamora. So if you haven't read the book, again, we have it here in the collection. Uh, you can get it through Video Ranch 3D. It's also, Ooh. you can get an ebook on there as well. So yeah. uh, check that out in the book club, as we said last week week is going on over on their Facebook page, Michael Nesmith's Video Ranch 3D. Mm -hmm. All right, so this week, no Mike Nesmith, but we have Malik no. coming up a little bit later. All right, let's do your bookmark first. What do you got going on, big guy? <sighs> Thank you, for one, for calling me big guy. Yeah. It makes me feel like straw. Well, you're taller than me. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. You are. I am. Got some good height All on right. this one. <laughs> I finished The Lady of the Lake by Oh, the Witcher. I'm I'm ready to try I'm ready to stop trying to pronounce his name. Uh Andres Sapkowski. Okay. Uh Lady of the Lake, the last book of The Witcher that I have to read right. in order to play the games. Okay. And technically, you don't have to play any of the games because hmm. he has uh, amnesia when you start the first game. Oh. So none of it matters. Do you mean you don't have to read any of the books? Right. Okay. What I say? Read you don't the games? Have to, you said you don't have to play any of the games. Oh, boy. Which is true. I'm, you don't I'm, have yeah. to. You don't have to. Um, Let me ask you this, because yeah. when last we discussed The Witcher, mm -hmm. you weren't sure if Siri was now The Witcher or if... <laughs> what's his face? What's his name? Uh, Geralt. Geralt. Was, so who is The Witcher? I think they're both witchers. They're both witchers. I mean, she doesn't witch her. Okay. She doesn't very... She doesn't, she doesn't witch her. She doesn't witch her. Okay. Yeah, very and much. And that's a verb. So even in this okay. book, he still finds Love time a verb. to witch her. But... Uh, uh -huh. the book is very much uh this whole series really just becomes series. Okay. Sorry, that's that's confusing. All the books start to become series. The character. The character series. Series. Um she becomes I was reading Lady of the Lake and after a while I'm like if somebody had asked me is Geralt even in this book, I would not be mad okay. at that. Okay. So Geralt like, Geralt begins as our main protagonist yeah. and the focus yeah. shifts to Siri in uh -huh. the later books. Okay. Yeah. I don't really know anything about these books. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I assume they're fantasy. Yes. And they're magic? Yeah. Sometimes. Is the witcher like, is it like witchcraft or? No. He's not like a witch. No, he's not a witch. He's not a witch. No. He's a witcher. He's a witcher. One who witches. Yes. Okay. Uh, he witchers. He witchers. Because to witch would mean you're a witch. Okay. But a but witcher. To, but to witcher. <laughs> okay. Uh, witchers are monster hunters. Oh, okay. So, he just goes out and gets paid to kill monsters that are bothering people and so he's like dog the bounty hunter but for monsters for monsters okay. yeah but 
where the first two short story collections are just about him going off and having his adventures. Witchering. And witchering. Yeah. Uh, the novels become just a high fantasy series with lots of politics. I see. Lots of, I mean, that's it. Lots of politics. And is that good? Not from my standpoint. Interesting. It becomes less interesting and not what I really wanted to read about. So you prefer the short stories? Yes. Okay. And they also, it start a lot of times, especially in The Lady of the Lake, it felt like uh, Sapkowski wanted to write other series, mm. wanted to write other fantasy stories, and instead he just put them into the Witcher books. Ah. And so I was like, I'll just make a whole chapter that's like this. Yeah. But, and after a while, I'm just like, I don't care. You know, that's that's so. funny. That reminds me of um, L. Frank Baum, who wrote The Wizard of Oz. Mm. He wrote The Wizard of Oz, and then he wrote other books that right. had nothing to do with The Wizard of Oz, and they weren't selling. So basically, he would write another book and then have them like end up in Oz ah. at the end so, so he could call it an Oz book. Right. And then he would take characters from his side books mm-hmm give them a Wizard of Oz story. Mm, and then you have to be like, it. now you got to go read Captain Bill and Trot yeah. over here. Yeah. So clever guy, that L. He, Frank he solved the Ant-Man problem long before Marvel. I guess he did. So, I guess he did. Um, the book picks up steam when they go to fight the big bad. Yeah. And there's a, it's a big, long out battle. A lot of char- uh, a lot of the characters that have been hanging out with Geralt yeah. perish. Yeah. Uh, it, it's pretty, it's a, it's a bummer. Um, but then I was reading, I'm like, I still have 30% to go. Wow. And it does. It just keeps going, and you just keep touring more stuff. And I'm like, I'm <laughs> very yeah. ready to be done. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Uh, that whole like fight and build up and everything is pretty good. So tell me if you think this is a, a proper for a children's book, okay? The Witcher series in the, no. in the Wizard of Oz. Okay. The Gnome King is immortal. He can't be killed. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so to get around this, Dorothy and the Wizard turn him to glass and then shatter him mm-hmm. and bury him. Right. For kids, so so he's so he's eternal. He's not dead. Yeah, he's just living this like hellish existence as shards of buried glass. Yeah, isn't that just like so dark? Yeah, and they were like, "Well, we did it. <laughs> Let's move on." I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Yeah, you read this as my a four-year-old. Yeah, it haunts my dreams. Yeah, and then Teddy Roxpan slowly turned his head. <laughs> well, he's like, "Did you like well, that Teddy story?" Teddy Roxpan is creepy no matter what you do. <laughs> so there's nothing not creepy about Teddy Roxpan. Yeah, and you can quote me. Yeah, what else you got? Uh, well, I got a Teddy Roxman with ah! me. <laughs> I believe it. I heard what you said. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. I read and finished The Poet X. Yes. By Elizabeth Acevedo. Acevedo. Yes. And it was well, fine. Don't tell us that oh, now. Okay. We're doing a spotlight with Malik. I'm sorry. Do you see Malik? No. Me neither. I started reading Artemis by Andy Weir. As did I. I read this book called Too Many Dogs by Jeff Gottesfield. Oh, yes. Because we we might have an interview again. Yeah, down the road. So, yep. this, is, this is a story about a couple of young girls uh-huh. who have uh, money on their mind and yeah. their mind on their money. Oh. And so they, they walk dogs to get some of that money. Interesting. Too many dogs, probably. Yeah, eventually, but okay. also they're flush with cash by the end. Well, hey. So, <laughs> you know. Uh, I've read Wolverine and the X-Men, the second series. But this I'm isn't by really. Jason Aaron, which I loved. Uh, the first volume was very... I liked it. People on Goodreads didn't seem to like it, but I I got really involved with it. 
Well, speaking of things that people didn't seem to like, the show, Wolverine and the X-Men, yeah. one season, excellent yeah. show, ends on a great note, yeah. and then there's no more. Yeah. But anyway. A lot of cool stuff in there with the... Uh, a lot of new stuff with like the Phoenix and yes. stuff. Yes, yes. Uh, but then the second volume was real bad. Okay. A lot of tie-in stuff. Oh. It got messed up because of the death of Wolverine Ugh. and Axis, where some yeah, heroes I'm, became villains no and vice versa. I also read Love Poems for Married People, of which I'm one. Hey. So. Nice. Yeah. Nick is as well until at least another like 15 minutes, I think. Huh. The papers are going to really through soon, I think. It was a weird, dark joke. (laughs) But I'll tell you what, the people in Love Poems. Would love that joke. They probably would because they don't don't seem like they're doing so great. No. But we'll talk about that later. Yeah. So that's what I read. Okay. Uh, Let's see. I think I had a pretty busy week. Let Mm -hmm. uh, Let me find my list here. Okay. Uh, here's some things I finished. Well, we'll start with Uncle Nick's poetry you, corner. No, you have to keep um, you have to keep that kind of rhythm you just had. Like here's some I things I finished. Here's some things I finished. <laughs> we go to th- okay. So for my poetry corner this week, I read uh, I read love poems for married people, which we're gonna talk about later. So I won't tell you about it now. Okay. I read Ash and Embers by Jim Zoller. Uh, it was pretty good. I still prefer his collection, Simple Clutter, which we have in the collection, mm-hmm. but this was pretty good. It kind of alternated between personal stuff and bigger, broader, like, world issues, mm. and I thought the strength was in the personal and less so in the broadness. Yeah. So this is a new release. Yeah. We have it in our new book collection, so you can check that out. Zoller sounds like a wizard name. It does. Yeah. Maybe he knows the Witcher. Oh, yeah. yeah. The he Zoller. Was, the was... Zoller and the Witcher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, I finished The Final Days of Superman, and let me tell you, folks, this is a graphic novel. Is this in your poetry corner? No, okay. poetry corner's closed. This is a graphic novel that kind of concludes the story of New 52 Superman, uh, and it, it's not well-received, but I really liked the end run of the New 52 Superman, starting with Gene uh, um, Yang's Truth and then going through uh, to The Final Days of Superman. I thought it was a really good, mm-hmm. uh, long story, and I thought it ended very impactfully. So I was surprisingly, surprisingly moved by that. Yeah. So check it out. But don't just read Final Days of Superman. You need to start with Truth. Oh, boy. I can help you. <laughs> Ask me on Twitter, all the book show. I will yeah. tell you how to read this series. Is this the only Superman thing you read? Good. Uh, no, I also read a Smallville novel called Greed mm. uh, by Cherie Bennett and Jeff Gottesfield. Lex Luthor's on the cover, but Clark is also wearing a very nice suit. He is. You know what's funny about this cover? It's like they saw the title and they were like, Greed, yeah, we'll just do like suits. Right. But it's actually about them running a summer camp together. Never are they in suits. So this it's, is yeah, the it worst. Yeah, it's like Lex Luthor's trying to convince uh, I know. Clark to become like yeah, a Wall like, Street well, mogul. Well, 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 Clark, Alexander the Great once said. But no, it's nothing yeah. like that. They're just... Uh, Paddle your own canoe exactly, during the canoe exactly. race. <laughs> They're just out on a uh, out on a camp, you know. Yeah. Does Clark constantly have to be like, I can't use my powers to win dodgeball against these kids. <laughs> Boy, <laughs> that happens a lot. <laughs> it? it does. It absolutely <laughs> does. That is a major plot point. It's basketball, but still. Uh, very, very good. Very precious of you over there, Eric. <laughs> Um, anyway, so I read that. I'm, I'm a fan of this series. My favorite of the three that I've read so far would be Speed, mm. but this is this is a fun series if you're a fan That's of what the series Smallville. S- Speed is the one where Smallville's in like 1950s racial America, and it's dealing with the... Right? Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Basically, <laughs> yes. Sorry, I thought you were doing a bit, but no. I, it is, I mean, it's not set in the 50s, but right. that one does deal with racial, racial issues, which right. was a nice change because Smallville uh, did not do that. Yeah. Uh, well, I did a deep dive into The Long Sandy Hair of Neptune Zamora, uh, written by Michael Nesmith, which you can hear all about in the previous episode. Oh, boy. Um, that is a fun read, though. Check that out. And let's see. I am currently reading Infinite Tuesday, which is Nez's autobiography, which oh. I don't know how I've never read it before. If but it's this Tuesday... 
count me out. You don't like this Tuesday? No, it's fine. Oh, but I don't want it to be. Oh, having a good time. I, I wouldn't want this Tuesday to be infinite. Okay, go on though, Michael. Uh, yeah, I read. I'm so I'm reading that. That's mm-hmm. fun. As I mentioned, I've already. I've also started Artemis by Andy Weir. Do you know? I almost asked if if you can explain why there's a monkey on the cover. You know what? what? I don't. I mean, I didn't even realize that. My wife was like, "Oh, look, there's a there's a psychedelic monkey on the cover," right. and I was like, "Wait a minute!" <laughs> and then she was like, "Oh, wait!" <laughs> so yeah, I'm looking at him like, "Oh, I wonder why he puts the monk uh, monkeys." Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but maybe maybe that's not why. I don't know. I should have asked him. Let's call mm-hmm. him back. Hold on. Okay. Let me just call him right up. Uh, let's see. Is there anything? No, he else? he thinks you're smart, so you should. Oh yeah, yeah. You're reading Artemis. Run, run while I have yeah. Exit uh, on a high point. What about Treasure Island? I'm reading Artemis by Andy Weir. Oh, I did skip that. Yes, I read uh, Treasure Island by the Muppets. Robert Louis Stevenson. Oh right, right, right. Yep. Which I think I I have read uh, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, and I always forget that those are written by the same author. Mm-hmm. But I never read this before. I was only familiar with the Muppets, so I read this novel <laughs> and I enjoyed it. I thought it was yeah. pretty good. Uh, I think it holds up overall. There's a couple times where you can feel kind of the clunkiness of age, but overall, it's a good story with compelling characters. Eric's reading this. Jessica's reading this. And we're going to do a special episode on it to tie in with the theatrical performance of Treasure Island that we're doing here at mm-hmm. the library. Yeah. So that is coming up. Uh, in Artemis, as I said, I'm reading for the science fiction or sci-fi book club that uh-huh. we're doing. Uh, I loved The Martian, which is Andy Weir's first book. Yeah. I love that from sentence one, oh. uh, which did have the F word in it. So maybe. Oh, yeah, it did. But uh, <laughs> this one is taking a little longer. Hmm. I'm, I'm reserving judgment, but I'm yeah. not wowed instantly. So we'll see. We'll yeah. see how it goes. And that's it for me. It's going to do it. That's a wrap on Nick's book. Did you ever finish Trunk Music? Thank you, Eric. Yes. Yeah, no I, I read Trunk Music by Michael Connolly. Uh, this is a Harry Bosch book. It? Yeah, I did. Oh. It's about, I think it's book five, book five or six. Um it didn't work for me. It didn't work for me. It was it was it was very long. There's a lot going on. Um, it was another the one right before this called the Last Coyote. Uh, Harry has the personal stake in this case, and so he kind of goes rogue mm, to solve this stake. case for personal reasons, uh, and that works. This one, this a similar thing happens where he has a personal stake in it, so he has to kind of go rogue and work against. So I just thought two books back to back, even though yeah, what is this an Ethan Hunt film? I know, even though the premises are different, it's not the exact same right. thing. Like yeah. one is a parent and one is a lover, mm-hmm. but it's still the same kind of vibe. And I just right. thought, well, that's weird. And it worked really well in Last Coyote, and it was clunky in Trunk Music. Mm. And then all of the like internal affairs stuff happening, it was just like. Too much. I think yeah. it would have been a better book with just good guys, bad guys, mm. things happening. Mm. I, I don't know. I would rate this probably about the lowest of the Connollys that I've read so far. Oh, and it was right. long. Right. You know? Yeah. Which one's Rogue Protocol? Ghost Protocol. Ghost Protocol. Yeah. And then Rogue Nation? Rogue Nation. I think is Ghost five, Protocol right. is four. Yes. Okay. That's yeah. that's what I was getting. I got the yeah, title wrong. Mission Impossible film. I got to remember one. Rogue Nation. As in the X-Men Rogues yeah. pirate radio station. Yeah. And you understand that the Gnome King is still alive. He's just living in <laughs> eternity as shattered glass. Yeah. That a child did to Yeah. Him. Sometimes when I think about if I found a genie and I'd wish for like immortality or whatever. Yeah. You know, like Superman Boy, and whatnot. You sure would. That's you uh, in a nutshell. I'm worried that like people would figure that out and just cover me in cement. And then I would just be in cement Jeez. for the rest of my life. That's kind of the plot of uh, the Johnny Depp, uh, Tim Burton, Dark Shadows film. Oh, jeez. He's basically yeah. just... Yeah, I just, Creepy. I mean, I guess eventually you just kind Creepy. of like turn your brain off. You just become zen, probably, <laughs> I would think. Yeah. I would hope. Yeah. But I don't like to think about it. So let's let's move it on along. 
Okay, what are we moving it on? Well, let's do some book news. Keep in mind, folks, that the Edgar Awards are going to be announced in the coming weeks. So you can find uh, you can find all the back or you can find all the nominees at the Edgar Awards website. So just do a search for that and take a look. We'll talk about the awards when they come out. So that's one thing coming up. But we haven't done the New York Times bestseller list in a while, and I'm actually kind of curious. Actually, it was what's going. It was more different than normal last week. But some things came back to the top. Darn we, we it. just missed it. Darn to the So get it. ready for some old favorites. Well, don't. Okay. Back again. You spun it well by calling them favorites. Thank I like you. that. Number 10 on the New York Times bestsellers list for hardcover fiction, you have The Chef by James Patterson with Max Dalio. I read it. Caleb Rooney, a police detective and celebrity food truck chef, must clear his name yeah. of murder okay. allegations. None of that's, none of that's but real. But then he's mostly doing... Uh, a food truck. He's mostly cooking gumbo and stuff. He's not a celebrity. I mean, he's like he has a popular food truck, and he resigns from the police force in basically the prologue, right? And is never trying to dodge a murder allegation. Huh. So I don't understand who wrote that, but <laughs> that's not what it's about. It is fun though, but I would have liked more cooking and less copping. Oh, the yeah. problem. The problem uh-huh. is that it, again, it's not just like there's a crime. Is it's there like, recipes in there? No, he's trying to he's trying to like run a food truck and stop like a, a large scale terrorist attack. Right. It's just too much. It doesn't make any sense. OK, but it's still kind of fun. All right. Well, up next is CJ Box Wolfpack. Ow! Joe Pickett. This is a novelization of the F- Michelle Pfeiffer, Jack Nicholson film Wolf. It's not. <laughs> That's a terrible film. Everyone. Yes, That's so yes it is. Uh, the Wyoming game. Can, can I tell you something, though? What? Jack Nicholson and Mike Nesmith, old pals. Oh. Jack Nicholson worked a lot on the Monkeys movie Head, which is, and this is not a pun, bananas. The movie <laughs> is bananas. Okay. All right. But yeah, they're old pals. Wyoming game warden uh, Joe Pickett and Caitlin Ham take on killers working for the Sonola Cartel. Mm. Mm. Oh, yeah. We've talked about this. I don't, yeah. I'm not familiar with that cartel. Yeah, me and neither. I'm not familiar like, with it either. Yeah. But I do know if there's a drug cartel coming, I want a game warden. To be the yeah. the, the well, last line of the, defense. What makes the game warden fun is you don't normally use a game warden. Absolutely. You so he's going to be over his head. Yeah. He's going to be he's going to be like that lit song, I'm in over my head mm-hmm. from the film Titan A.E. Wow, yeah. that's a deep dive. Thank you. Good for you. Thank you. Thank you. No one's mentioned that movie in <laughs> year, decades. Yeah. I want to say Drew Barrymore might drop Nathan. Uh, Lane. I, I can tell you right now that Drew Barrymore has no memory of Titan A.E. Mm. What about Bill Pullman? I met Bill Pullman. Did he talk about Titan A.E.? He didn't. He oh. talked about Spaceballs a little bit. Yeah. And I we got him to sign While You Were Sleeping. Oh, okay. He's not on the cover of Spaceballs. What are you going to do? Yeah, that's... Yeah. Anyway. Uh, number eight is... Nice guy. Bill Pullman? Yeah, or Okay, nice guy. sure. Yep, nice guy. Number eight. Oh, I was watching Barry. The first season of Barry opens up with these two guys who are about to be killed by a hitman, and they're mm. arguing about like pausing the movies. Like, you never listen. This is some passive aggressive crap that you always pull. And he mm-hmm. opens the door and he gets shot, and the hitman comes in. It turns out they were watching while you were sleeping. because ah. <laughs> Sandra Bullock's just talking. He's like, "Well, I, you know, I don't, I can't do a Sandra Bullock impression." No, but I, I, God bless you for trying. You just <laughs> dove right in. <laughs> and if you would have nailed it, uh huh, that would have been a story. Yeah, would have been yeah. a great story. One day, Eric was telling a story about while you were sleeping. Yeah. He pulled out a Sandra Bullock impression. Yeah. Knocked my socks off. Yeah. So do you think the Gnome King's consciousness is just like floating above it all? Or is he inhabiting individual shards of glass no, there's in the a land sh- of There's odds? a piece of glass shard that represents his brain. That is the brain. Yes. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, number eight, The Cemetery Road by Greg Isles. The journalist's... Right? Isles? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The journalist Marshall McEwen returns to his hometown, which is shaken by two deaths and an economy on the brink. 
Mm. Yeah. So, uh, okay. I got nothing. I was trying to think of like a funny way to spin that. I had a funny thing, and then you said two deaths, and I just thought, (laughs) well. Uh, Number seven, Daisy Jones and the Six. It was gone off the top ten, but now it's back. Taylor Jenkins Reid, a fictional oral history charting the rise and fall of 70s rock and roll band Daisy Jones and the Six. Yes, excellent. Excellent read. really Mm -hmm. is. I got an advanced copy of this from the ALA conference, Mm -hmm. Uh, and as I've said before, it it really is. It's a great book. It's worth a read. It feels very real. It's hard. You have to sort of remember, wait, this is fiction, because you really Mm want to go and listen to the songs that these bands are playing. Mm -hmm. I will say, if I could go in and tweak some things in the last half, it Mm would have... for me, it would have been a total five-star yeah. knock it out of the park. But you mean some, like when they're doing their Tusk equivalent? No, no there's just <laughs> some things that happen that just like I feel like undermine the experience you've had leading up to it. That uh, I think yeah. is a real mistake. But okay, but it doesn't it doesn't make it so the book is like not worth it. It's not a Battlestar Galactica situation mm. if you understand. Yeah, I the understand. Reference. I understand. Do you? Number six, The Silent Patient by Alex McKillides. Theo Faber looks into the mystery of a famous painter who stops speaking after shooting her husband. So you could also just call this the fifth. Hmm. She's pleading the pleading fifth. Pleading the fifth, yeah. 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 Number five, Celtic Empire by Clive Cussler and Dirk Cluster. Oh. This is the 25th book in the Dirk Pitt series. Yes. Only 25? Are oh. you sure about that? That's what it says. Wow. Dirk yeah. Pitt's been going since like the 60s. Yeah. Okay. He's, he's been doing other stuff. Right. He's uh. This is Dirk Pitt. Alive at cover, cover check. How's this doing? It's not great. Oh, come on. It's just like an old Viking Celtic uh, boat. <laughs> I don't know. That sounds good. What's it called? Uh, Celtic Empire. But it's just, it's not doing anything. It's just kind of floating between rocks. There's no fire. There's no biplane crashing. Mm. There's no tornado in the distance. I want to see Nazi gold. That's all. That's all, all I right. want. Um, up next is Runaway by Harlan Coben. A family is torn apart when the daughter becomes addicted to drugs and goes missing. Wow. Sorry, I had to like, something was going on, so yeah, I had to pause. Emotional. It was very emotional. Yeah. So hopefully this family uh, puts it back You know what, folks? I can concur with Eric. This Clive Cussler cover is not, uh, yeah. is not compelling. It's not very exciting. It's not good. Number three is The Savior by J.R. Ward. This Ooh. is the 17th book in the Black Dagger Brotherhood series. Look out. Secrets about inhuman experiments surface at a biomedical firm. Uh, are these werewolves or are these... What are these? I haven't read these, so I'm not sure. Let's assume they're werewolves. Let's do it. And people are messing with werewolves genomes. If it's not werewolves, you can find us at All the Book Show on Twitter. <laughs> and J.R. Ward, if you're listening, yeah, come talk to us on the podcast. <gasps> Uh, number two, The Corn Walls Are Gone, Well, by James Patterson and Brendan Dubois. Yeah, I keep seeing this. It looks interesting to me. An army intelligence officer must commit a crime or lose her daughter. Oh, uh, an army intelligence officer must commit a crime or lose her kidnapped husband and daughter. Wow. Yeah, I thought it was just the daughter. Yeah. But it turns out it's the husband and daughter. Both. Listen. What? If that's the plan, uh-huh. they're never going to let the kid and the husband go. Right. You give them money, they're going to ask for yeah, money. It's not gonna, yeah, it's not going to work. It's not yeah. going to work. So Twist, the husband and the daughter plan the kidnapping on their own. Wow. Yeah. Shut your mouth. Yeah, I don't know. No, that's not true? I don't. Is I that true? No, I made okay. that up. You made it up. I it mean, could be true. Apologies if that's true. Yeah, that'd, so. be, a big, that'd be a major spoiler. Yeah. She's like, how am I going to get to college? He's like, we're going to have to kidnap ransom ourselves. Your mom, 
so that your yeah. mom gives us money for yeah. you to go to college. Yeah, it's not a perfect plan. <laughs> it is not a perfect plan. Yeah. Uh, number one on the New York Times bestsellers list, it's The New Nightingale. The new... Mm, well, where the Crawdads... Where, where yeah. the Crawdads Sing yep. by Dahlia Owens. It's just, it's here in perpetuity. Yeah. A woman who survived alone in the marsh becomes a murder suspect. My wife got a copy of this. That's nice. Yeah. This is part of Reese Witherspoon's book club, who is getting her second season of... Big Little Lies. I guess the preview just came That's out. That's right. With the addition of Meryl Streep. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. She's going to be all in there, and she's going to be like, you wear pride Meryl now. Streep. Oh. Nick and What beautiful music that was. <laughs> from the awards no i know i, I ben abs- absolutely i know what you mean he's the man's a maestro uh that's right i've been folks. talking to him you know what he's been spending some time doing what? when he has free time because you know how busy ben is yeah ultimate frisbee really yeah he's in a whole nother continent a ultimate whole nother country frisbee. still finds time Popularizing for ultimate frisbee, ultimate frisbee yeah. in another continent that's great <laughs> well folks it's award season as you know the edgars are coming up and just on the 15th of april the pulitzer prize was announced so we're gonna give you a quick heads up on what they are and i'm proud to say uh huh. We had the fiction and history books in the collection already. Wow. So, and the Pulitzer usually just pulls books out of nowhere. Yeah, I like know. out of a secret ether that <laughs> none of true. us have access to. They are. There's occasionally you'd be like, oh yeah, but usually you're like, I've never heard of this book. Yeah. And outside of ordering this book, I yeah. had never heard of it. So, no. uh, the finalists were The Great Believers right, by Rebecca Mackay, and mm-hmm. They're There by Tommy Orange, which we had heard of. Yes. Uh, the winner this year went to The Overstory by Richard Powers, an ingeniously structured narrative that branches and canopies like the trees at the core of the story whose wonder and connectivity echo those of the human living amongst them. Ooh. Save it for the understory. I know, right? I don't know what that's about. Tell us about drama. Yeah, <laughs> drama. Let's see. Uh, all right. We have Dance Nation by Claire Barron and What the Constitution Means to Me by Heidi Schrenk. These are finalists. These yep. are finalists. Yep. Uh, but the winner was Fairview by Jackie Sibley's Drury, a hard-hitting drama that examines race in a highly conceptual, layered structure, ultimately bringing audiences into the actor's community to face deep-seated prejudices. That sounds like an uncomfortable night at the theater. Yes. I do love that kind of play, though, like the layered structure and the conceptual, like, I like plays Oh, is that what drama is, like actual theater? Yes. I like how, Mm. I like when plays sort of mess with, like, Mm. the usual roles in, in a, in a. Like in Jake's Women, where yeah, I turned exactly. to the audience and said, exactly. hey, everybody. And like they were in, like, oh, this leaves me uncomfortable. Absolutely. Like in Jake's Women. For more, see our Neil Simon spotlight. Where's the wall? All right. For history, the finalists were American Eden, David Hasek, Botany and Medicine in the Garden of the Early Republic by Victoria Johnson, <laughs> and Civilizing Torture in American Ugh. Tradition by W. Fitzhugh Brundage. The winner, Frederick Douglass, Prophet of Freedom by David W. Blight. A breathtaking history that demonstrates the scope of Frederick Douglass' influence through deep research on his writings, his intellectual evolution, and his relationships. History. That is what you just did. So, biography. Biography, All right. So, the... What are the... These are the finalists. Yes, they are. Uh, Proust, Duchess. How how three celebrated women captured imagination of Finn de Cecil? Cecil? Paris. By Carolyn Weber. And also, The Road Not Taken... Edward Lansdale and the American Tragedy in Vietnam by Max Boot. And, but the winner is The New Negro, The Life of Aylin Locke by Jeffrey C. Stewart. A uh, panoramic view of the personal trials and artistic triumphs of the father of the Harlem Renaissance and the movement he inspired. 
Uh, the next one is poetry. And again, this is Poetry Month. So you're in the right place Son to, of a gun. to learn about poetry. Yeah. I should have had Malik read this one. Okay. Field by Josh Charles was a finalist, as well as Like by A.E. Stallings. But the winner was Be With by Forrest Gander, a collection of elegies that grapple with sudden loss and the difficulties of expressing grief and yearning for the departed. All right. Uh, the finalists for general nonfiction are... In a Day's Work, The Fight to End Sexual Violence Against America's Most Voluble Workers by Bernice Yang and Rising, Dispatches from the New American Shore by Elizabeth Rush. The winner is Amity and Prosperity, One Family in the Fracturing of America by Eliza Griswold. A classic American story grippingly told of an Appalachian family struggling to retain its middle-class status in the shadow of destruction, reaped by corporate fracking. And finally, for music, the finalists were Still by James Romig, Sustain by Andrew Norman, and the winner is Prism by Ellen Reed, a bold new operatic work that uses sophisticated vocal writing and striking instrumental timbers to confront difficult subject matters, the effects of sexual and emotional abuse, libretto by Roxy Perkins. Oh, and now we're moving on to more sad news. This yeah, is, I don't think you know how to balance this, this today. Is kind of, I know, this is kind of a sad, darker book news today, but anyway. Yeah. Luckily, we'll balance it out with some poetry later. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, no, but I did want to mention the passing of, of two science fiction uh, authors, legends, really, uh, within just a, a couple weeks of each other. So first, Gene Wolfe. Gene mm. Wolfe is best known for his Book of the Sun series. Uh, he won multiple awards in his lifetime, uh, multiple Nebula Awards, multiple Locus Awards, uh, was just a very prolific science fiction writer. We have several of his uh, books as well as some short stories here in our collection. So if you're not familiar with his work, uh, you can take some time now to get to know the late uh, Gene Wolfe's mm -hmm. work. Uh, another recent passing was Vonda McIntyre. So Vonda McIntyre has some interesting history. Uh, she's a Hugo and Nebula Award winning author. And she's actually only the third woman ever to win a Hugo Award at the time. So she was right in there from the beginning, one of the, one of the uh, most yes, earliest. Ah, yes, Snake. I have that in my collection okay. to read. All right. Hey, she also, the entropy effect, Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. And some Star Wars. I know. She has the distinction of writing my favorite Star Trek book. Oh, wow. And the first adult Star Trek book that I'd ever read. Wow. I'm not counting the, the junior novelization of Star Trek Generations, but mm -hmm. she wrote Enterprise, <laughs> The First Adventure uh, in 1986, which is all exactly what it sounds like. Mm -hmm. And The Entropy Effect, which is an excellent Star Trek time travel novel mm. that focuses on Sulu going back and forth through like multiple different timelines. It's excellent. We have it here in the collection. I, you don't have to be a Star Trek fan to like this book. It's just a good, strong, solid sci-fi. I think Barberry is also in my collection. The title, the title again is The Entropy Effect. And as you mentioned, she also wrote The Crystal Star. Mm -hmm. uh, pretty good Star Wars novel as well. And then she has uh, her standalone series, Starfarer series. Oh, she wrote the novelization for The Search for Spock. She did, That's which is like your favorite. also excellent. I know, I know. That's what I'm saying. So she has she has quite a history. And as oh, and Rathacon. So is she, is she just like the? Was she just the go-to person for a lot of Star Trek? She wrote for, Star Trek oh, two, three, the 80s? two, three, and four. She wrote that which, whole trilogy. That right, whole trilogy, yeah. which is collected in a book called Duty, Honor, and Redemption, that I, puts all three of them together okay. in a long run. Yeah, she wrote those Entropy Effect, Enterprise, uh, Starfarers, several uh, non-series novels. Dream Snake, as Eric mentioned, Barbary as well. Um, so anyway, the late great Vonda McIntyre. I hope you take some time to check out her work. We do Gene have Gene Wolf is it. also uh, somebody who might need to read absolutely more. Yeah, I don't think I've read any. Yeah, yet, I so. checked to just to make sure, and we actually have I'll a hand lot. In my, my card. We have a lot of Gene Wolfe in the collection. We have a lot of Vonda McIntyre. So yeah. passing of two great sci-fi authors. So hope you take some time to check out their work. Well, as we mentioned at the top of the show, April is Poetry Month. 
and uh, we have a poetry expert on the staff here, so that's why we. Oh. That's why we. <laughs> I don't know about expert. Not expert. Okay. All right. Well, more of an expert than Eric or I, no, as we learned uh, when we were talking a few months back about the Kwame Alexander books. Yes. Uh, so we figured. I mean, while we've got Malik here, we better do it. Did you Did you do anything with the poetry stuff that happened at the library this month? I did. Did you? How did it yes. go? We did a workshop. It was really nice. Yeah, it was, was it? Yeah, oh, it good. Was lots who, of fun. Do you remember who led that? Um, was it Chris Clow or was that? Yes. Okay. Chris, yes. All right. Great. All right. Well, um, one of the things that we were talking about last time with the Kwame Alexander books were this new, this new thing where novels more and more are being written in the poetry style in in that um, mm -hmm. new format. So I think, I mean, I'm sure that's happened in the past before, but I feel like Kwame Alexander really was the one who sort of popularized that and made it like a thing. Uh, him or the, the one that's inside out and back again. Hmm. I'm not, I, 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 don't know what that I think they're uh, they're contemporary. Okay. I don't think I'm not sure which one came first. Okay, but I think they together okay popularize popular well popular um, so we're going to talk about two books today. The first is the Poet X by oh, I don't remember the name by Elizabeth Elizabeth Acevedo. So this is one that we talked about a little bit last time. Uh, this this book has pretty much swept a lot of major awards this year. Yes. So it won, let's see, first the uh, Michael L. Prince Award for Excellence in Young Adult Literature. It won the National Book Award for Young People's Literature. It won the Globe Horn Award for Best Fiction of 2018. And it won the Pura Belpre Award, which honors Latin writers whose books best portray, affirm, and celebrate the Latino cultural experience. So this book has been all over the place. It's, it's won many awards. Uh, she's writing a follow-up, which well, doesn't follow the same character, but her uh, her sophomore book is coming out with the fire on high, and that's coming out next month. Mm. So let's talk a little bit about the poet X. Poet X. Who wants to dive in first? Let's start this way. <laughs> did we like it? I liked it. Yeah. I did like it. Okay. Yeah, I liked. Was it. that with reservations? Um, no, no, not at all. Okay. I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I actually. I read it once, and uh -huh. then I kind of skimmed through it uh -huh. again, and I found a second time that, that I kind of skimmed through it. I liked it a little even more. Liked it better more. the second time. Yeah. I felt like, uh, I did like it. I don't think, um, I mean, it's hard not to compare it to the Kwame Alexander ones we did. No. I don't think that I would rate it as high as I would rate, like, the rebound or the crossover, um, but I did enjoy it. I felt like, story-wise, it was a little, for me, it was a little slow until about the second half when things when the when the issues and stuff started to come out a little bit more, I, I liked that half better. I thought it moved a little quicker, but overall, I thought it was pretty good. What about you, Eric? Uh, yeah, I liked it. It's I found the actual like writing to be less poetic. I guess I don't maybe I don't know anything about poems, so mm -hmm. I'm probably but it it felt like it more it read like a segmented like segmented prose mm -hmm. more than uh, poetry to myself. So whereas like if you're talking about the crossover, like it feels like it's playing with um, with the concept of poetry and being able to move the words all around the page and everything. Mm -hmm. This one felt a little bit more conservative in its presentation. Well, I uh, I don't think I actually read, I mean, I listened to the audiobook for a mm -hmm. lot of this, read by the author, which was excellent. And actually it was, uh, it was an honor, uh, was ch given an honor from the audiobook awards as well. So the mm -hmm. audiobook was pretty well mm -hmm. received. Did it do anything unique with uh, the format of the poetry? You know, like Kwame Lee? It, 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 it did. Uh, it was, it was a little different. Uh -huh. like the crossover had a lot of rhyming yeah and it was it seemed more fun yeah a lot of the poetry in this book was was 
more serious. Yeah, and yeah. It was like more heartfelt kind of. Mm-hmm. And uh, she kind of she mixed a lot of poetry with the storytelling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like she would be telling the story and then she would be saying how she feel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I think those parts when she was talking about how she felt was more um, a little more poetic. Yeah. It would seem than you know. Yeah. Yeah. I do know what you mean. I. I think, to go back to what you're saying, Eric, about it not feeling quite as, I don't know, I, poetic, poetic, I guess, yeah. for, for lack of a better word, um, listening to the audiobook, I don't think you ever would have guessed that it was written no. in verse. Like, no. I don't think you would have picked that up at oh, all. Oh, okay. Um, hmm. So, you know, I think that probably worked for it in some ways. I mean, it's still it's still been a popular book, as yeah. I said, with all the awards and everything. Well, gender-based, too, is, is, is about a female. Mm-hmm. Um, I could relate to it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, one, just growing up in urban area, okay. I could relate to a lot of that kind of stuff. And so it seemed, it felt genuine to you? Oh, yes, definitely, okay. definitely. Right. Very genuine. Okay. Um, and I have five sisters. Mm. Ah, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah, I have five okay. sisters too, so a lot of it, and I grew up in church. Okay. So a lot of it, I could relate to. Yeah, I, yeah. It. I felt like it was kind of a missed opportunity to have the religious aspect of it kind of just be the villain of the story. Mm-hmm. You know, I it, it kind of felt like it never, I didn't really feel like X really gained any more, like, understanding about her parents, like, faith and religion. I didn't really feel like there was much growth in that regard, other than for her to just be like, this is not for me and I don't want it, which is fine. It's not that you can't do that in a story. You certainly can. I just think that um, it would have helped, uh, just from a character standpoint, I think it would have helped flesh out the parents a little bit more if you saw a little bit of um, some genuine like some genuine reaction to like church and spirituality I don't know do you know what I mean do you know what I'm saying yeah yeah definitely Um, I think really what I was getting from it is that she was pressed a lot into religion and, and that made her feel really uncomfortable yeah it is a part towards the end where she starts talking about the bible yeah and she basically says, I'm paraphrasing, but she yeah. says that the Bible is all metaphors. Uh-huh. So basically the whole Bible is a poem. Right. So I think she was just trying to make yeah. a parallel. Yeah, to I guess that's true. So her finding it, her voice. Yeah. And that's the way, her, like, how she see religion. Sure. She, so she like wasn't that, really that was, into You're the, saying, like, for her that was her way to relate to it. Is sort right. of put it in the, the context. Instead of all the traditions yeah. that they were trying to push her to do. That, yeah. You know, that. And it was more of making her feel guilty uh, for being a woman and being who she was. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, right. So. Yeah, and I thought it. I thought it handled that really well. Uh, I mean, not that I can speak with authority about like what it's like to be a teenage girl, but right. you know, she wasn't. She wasn't a perfect character. Like she was. She just seemed kind of like troubled and real and genuine. I thought like her. Her character in particular, I thought was like for better or worse, felt like a real person. Right. You know what I mean? I didn't think there was any attempt to like make her seem particularly... I, I don't know. She did. She wasn't portrayed to be like, look at this heroic person. Right. She was just like, this is a normal person a trying to like... Yeah. character. I think that's why so many women probably related to it. Yeah. Because they, they could understand, you know, like yeah. you said, it wasn't 
a heroic character. It was right. just really down to yeah. earth. It wasn't watered down. Yeah, she was just sort of allowed to be like what she was. And very and you uh, could just vulnerable. Sort of take it or leave it. She, yeah, she was very yeah, vulnerable. Exactly. A lot. Yeah, I think the author did a good job about kind of bringing that forward, which again, not something that I can speak about with, with expertise, but, but just from my reading of it, I thought that she, she did a good job with that. I think like overall it worked, you know, I think it was a good, I think it was a good story. It just didn't, uh, I guess it didn't speak to me as much as like say Rebound did. I don't know. And what do you think? The character and what she's going through and a lot of what's going on around her as well. It's just so foreign to me that, um, it's it's more for me. It's more just like a window, mm-hmm. um, rather than something that I can necessarily relate to. Mm-hmm. So it's you know one of the reasons why I like, I guess reading in general is you know it's like the only real way to get into somebody else's shoes. Now, have we I, now have we found a lot? It's a of, quick read for I I thought so. Yeah. Well, again, yeah. I mean, like we said with the Kwame Alexander books, I feel like that's something that's a real strength of these books because. Yeah. It's uh, it's very approachable in that way, you mm-hmm. know. Like the amount of, of words per page, you know, blank space versus words is nice and open. So when you pick it up and flip through it, you think, oh, I can do this. So I think that's a real benefit of that mm-hmm. format. And you found that with your book clubs, right? Yeah, I mean, when they... yeah. That's why they. I mean, it's also why I read um, Jason Reynolds' uh, Long Way Down so mm-hmm. fast too. It's like, oh, I can. I can cruise through this in no time. So see, and I think that's great for because for the age that they're written for, yeah. um, you know, you're not gonna. It's not a guarantee that you know anywhere from a 12 to 14 year old is gonna be like a big avid reader who's gonna sit down and read, you know, a 400 page novel. But something like this, you know, mm-hmm. it's easy to pick up and put down. You can get through it quickly. Uh, so I think I think in that way, it's it's you know really excellent for that. Yeah, and it jumped right into the story. Yeah, uh, it was like some comical moments. Mm-hmm. So I think that, especially with, with young people reading, they need that. Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's not so descriptive where it's just describing everything. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, it just jumped right into the story. Had some comical moments, and I think that makes people like, especially younger people, want to keep reading. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Uh, well, and kind of like what you said, Eric, it, it wasn't one that like spoke to me personally. It wasn't one that had a lot of like places where I could feel like, oh yeah, I've, I've experienced that. But I think, you know, for the, for the age and the, and like the demographic that it's written for, it's excellent. And I think how you know that something like that is actually a well-written book is that even though it didn't have those things for me, like I could still appreciate it. So it, it, you know, it probably has its specific market, but I think outside of that, um, there's a lot that you can pick it up and get out of just reading and experiencing it. So, I mean, I think that's a that's a good sign that the book has legs, that it's good, you know. I, think right. the di- I did want to oh, yeah, say, yeah. I think the dynamic between the mother and the daughter, um, I think a lot of girls can definitely relate to that mm-hmm. too. Even if it's not religion, right. um, it, it might be some kind just of Just the conflict, aspect. the conflict that they yeah, had. Yeah, you know, your mother forcing you to be what she right. wants you to be. So, mm-hmm. right. you know, I think that was something big for women too. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of, you know, that relationship, that dynamic between a mother and a daughter is always complicated. <laughs> yeah, always that, complicated. Does, that does like seem I said, to be I have five sisters, yeah. so yeah. I've seen that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, i see that a lot. No, I don't, the dad didn't really, he wasn't a huge character in here. No, he was like a real dad. Yeah. Just, he just, came <laughs> in, say a couple words, <laughs> yeah. and just one out. Yeah, that's, that's a real dad right there. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we have both the uh, hard copy version and the audiobook, which is read by the author here in the collection. 
So you can get that here or any of the STLS libraries in our system or wherever you are, your local library will almost certainly have it because as I said, it's sweeping awards. Nice. Uh, so this, this is PoetX we chose because it's award-winning status and because it's a good branch off from where we were last time with Kwame Alexander. But um, I'd ask Malik to see if he could find <laughs> a collection of poetry that the three of us could read and just kind of talk about. Um, and so he went easy on us, I think, and picked one that was fun and approachable. Right. So uh, tell us a little bit about why you picked this one. It's Love Poems for Married People by John Kenny. Okay. Um, first, I, I had read this one book. It was called uh, Ten Poems That'll Change Your Life. Uh -huh. And it, would, it recited a poem, yeah. and then it described what the poem meant. And it was real deep. The first three poems I read, it was like I was almost crying and everything. Mm. But then when I picked that one up and started reading it, it just felt so much more fun. Yeah. I had never read any poetry like that yeah. before. Yeah, I don't... It was so different that yeah. I, I, I just, I, I was like, oh, this is the one. Yeah, it cracked me And then me I up. felt like y'all would enjoy yeah. it a little more. Yeah, yeah. It was easy read. I got through it in like two hours, yeah. the whole blend, the whole book, so... Well, it's, so it's written by John Kenny. John Kenny, who is a regular, he's a regular contributor to The New Yorker, and that's where these love poems kind of got off the ground. He also has one, uh, Love Poems for People with Children, which I guess I have to read that one now. <laughs> and, he's, and he's got a novel called Talk to Me. So uh, <laughs> I really enjoyed this one. I mean, it cracked me up. There was some that I just like laughed right out loud oh, on. And I was too. like taking pictures and sending them to my wife. Like, <laughs> I did, this is I hilarious. Did the same thing. I did the same thing. <laughs> Like, you gotta read this one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. What did you think? Yeah, it was funny. Sorry, I, I, sorry, I'm channeling my. Uh, wow. Today I'll be playing the role of Robert De Niro yeah. talking about poetry. I guess so. So, uh, no, it was funny. It it made me laugh a lot. It made me want to give the book to my wife, uh, so she could read the whole thing. Yeah. Some of them I related to. Some of them was like, oh boy, please, please not. Yeah, me. I don't. Yeah, yeah. I hope this one is not applicable. Yeah, that's where. Uh, some of them yeah. Are. But then there were some that I was like. Oh, Gosh, I, I've done that. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah, um, especially the ones that are told from the wife's point of view, mm. and she's like, "Thanks for that." Yeah, <laughs> and that—that's exactly why I wanted to do this one. Yeah, because that's a good pick. I, I knew it would be fun, and like I said, I—I've been reading poetry a long time, mm -hmm. and I've never bumped into nothing like that. Yeah. So how did you? Was it just because I mean, I—I I, I remember ordering this one. Is, did you just like pick it up? Um, off yeah, the shelf, I just. Uh, okay. You know, I—I kind of skimmed through a lot of poetry books. Okay. And Wasn't this I, on the New York? List, was it at least for like a week. Like, I, I don't remember. It's possible. Yeah. It well, seems you, to be you know how poetry is. You you start reading it, and sometimes you can't really get, especially if you're oh, not sure. into poetry. Yeah. you can't really get into it. Um, and I know, like that one. After I read the first five, I just couldn't yeah. stop reading it. So I was like, yeah, yeah, that's the one. Well, yeah, I think you make a good point that like you don't. I think you know people have this perception of of poetry that it's you know, boring or melodramatic or, mm -hmm. you know, like that that's the only setting that it has is that sort of dreariness uh, or like overly romantic. I don't think there's a lot of, I think the average person probably doesn't have, they don't hear poetry and think like, oh, great. You know, they hear yeah. poetry and think like, oh, okay, all right, we have to, <laughs> which is deep. unfortunate. It's too bad. Um, but, but also like you're saying where sometimes you pick it up and you're just not getting into it. I always try to like broaden my horizons a little bit yeah. uh, and with April being poetry month you know I always try to read a couple of different collections and I find that most of the time 
um, you know, I'll read through and there's, you know, I don't know, 50, 60 poems like in any given collection. And it seems like out of those 50 or 60, there'll be like three or four mm-hmm. that I read and think like, oh yeah, that was great. Like yeah. that really like spoke to me. That was great. And then the rest of them, I'm just kind of like, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's, that's usually my experience with poetry. This one, I just, I mean, I laughed from start to finish. Right. And that's not to take anything away from it. It's not to say that it's like any less because it was funny. It's just right. doing a different thing. But, but what it's doing, it's just, it's doing it so well. Yeah. And know? it seems so simple, simplistic, mm-hmm. but so brutally honest and real from his perspective. Yeah. So it, I thought that because when I first started reading, I was like, if he can get published, I'll definitely get published. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like when you read it, you feel like, yeah, yeah I could yeah. write poetry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I could just talk about how I really feel. Well, and, it, I think know. what it, I think what it does, and I don't. <laughs> it wasn't exactly like a positive portrayal of oh, marriage no, or relationships. You know, it was a little bit more like on the <laughs> jaded side of things. But I think what he was successful in is finding those little things that are sort of universal. You know, mm-hmm. just little like relationship hiccups or uh just these little things that you get stuck on in a relationship and sort of making that the center point of each poem and going out from there you know i think that's i think that's where he really succeeded finding things that you can read that and be like yep (laughs) you know whether that applies to you specifically or like you you probably have a degree of that but either way you're going to know what he's talking about right so that's where i think that one's very successful and i think it takes some of the darkness away from relationships yeah i think a lot of people they feel that way but they feel so intense and dark about it and i think the main thing i got out of that book was more like it's okay yeah Yeah, this is how things are this is how we might feel sometimes yeah we love each other yeah It's, it's okay yeah i think you're right i think it's it's like it's not saying like this is the standard this is the normal like this is the way relationships are it's just like sometimes you do feel this way you know what i mean so that yeah, I agree. It was an excellent choice. I, th- I really like that a lot. You five started on Goodreads. I was yeah. surprised. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> the There's another book right there. Yeah, I read in college a book of poetry I five starred. Oh, really? So, yeah. What was it? I can't remember. All right, you can tell us next week. Okay. <laughs> but I, I really enjoyed it. And again, um, let's see, where is it? I had it up here. Mm. He has uh, two others. There's There's a companion book to this one right now called Love Poems for People uh, with Children. And the novel is Talk to Me by the author John Kenny. Uh, so, yeah, you can, uh, John Kenny is on Twitter, so you can find him on Twitter. And so is Elizabeth Acevedo. You can find them both there. Uh, they're both pretty active on there, so if you want to uh, interact or, or learn more, you can find it there. Uh, John Kenny is regularly published in The New Yorker, which we do subscribe to here in the library, and you can find a lot of them right on thenewyorker.com. So I encourage you to check out all of those there. And again, Elizabeth Acevedo's uh, follow-up book, uh, With the Fire on High, is coming out May 7th. So I assume we'll have that here, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, Well, I think that's going to do it for our little poetry corner here. So, Malik, I appreciate you bringing love poems into our lives. uh, We need that. Absolutely. Good conversation on PoetX. Uh, Eric, you want to do some uh, library news real quick? We just had the Easter egg hunt recently. Uh, which we partnered with Wellsville Rotary Club and Joseph Murray Hospital, and it was a madhouse. We had at least 200 kids here, and then add parents onto that. It was like I'm Did surprised the foundation held. It was yeah, it was crazy. 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 Yeah. So thank thanks to Rotary and uh, thanks to Rotary and the hospital for helping us with that because it really was excellent. May 3rd, we're showing the film The Kid Who Would Be King mm. at 3:30. 
in the Nancy A. I Nancy Howe Auditorium. I did want to see that movie. It, I actually thought, I mean, I'm not going to, I don't want to go see it myself, but it looked like a movie that, like, as a kid, I might have enjoyed. Okay. So, I think as adults, we see these movies that we would have really liked as kids, but we just, like, oh, this is garbage now. It's like, mm-hmm. no, we just aren't interested just anymore. An and then the bomb, <laughs> like, we might have liked Monster Truck. Uh-huh. Or Trucks? I don't think I would have liked Monster Truck. Okay, but, well... So. All right. Uh, well, we also have the superhero party, which is coming. Oh up, my word! Uh, yeah, the twenty seventh, April twenty seventh at one o'clock. That's big yeah. business. So oh, sign yes. up for that. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. Uh, I already mentioned Treasure Island, which we're doing. This is a cool. We have a theater group coming in. It's a two person show, and yeah. they go through the whole story of Treasure Island. So that's going to be on May fourth, and then mm-hmm. we'll have an episode around there where Eric, Jessica, and I are going to read and discuss Treasure Island. So hope you'll join us for that. Uh, all right, I think that's going to do it. Thanks again, Malik. Thanks for having me. Have you back on another time. And we'll see everybody next week.